The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And Charlie, you started this podcast today with the most anguished look on your face, your <laughs> head in your hands. Like, it was not... If I went into, like, you know, if this was a football team and it was like halftime and I went in and I saw that sort of body language from my teammates, I would be worried about how we were going to perform in the second <laughs> half of the game. What Are you, are you okay? Oh, look, it was just something about uh, podcast Mike. Uh, he, he, like, he gives us the intro, he counts us in, um, and he names the episode number. And he said episode 335. And it just struck me as a lot, a big number. We've done a lot of episodes of this we show. and I don't know. We've a lot of our lives. We have put an incredible <laughs> I, I burden on the people me. who are closest to us. We have robbed them of that attention. <laughs> Of that energy that we have, and you suddenly—it suddenly dawned on you that this has all been a complete and utter waste of our time, it didn't it? That's that's that is what has occurred to you just as we were st- about to start the podcast. Pretty much, I mean, in a look, I'll give it a bit of pre-sizzle, but uh, this week's episode of Fofop, James Clement, Mister Sunday Movies, is on. We recorded that earlier today, and um, he was recording from his homemade podcast studio at his place. And I was broadcasting from my homemade podcast studio at my place. And it's the idea that it's like, if we were 12 year olds and we had like ham radio sets, like this is what's happened. It's like worldwide, uh, nerds have grown up and just taken the things with them. We didn't evolve. We didn't turn into the men our fathers hoped we'd be. We just stayed nerds our entire lives. Well, I just think the man cave has turned into a pod cave. That's really what has happened. Yeah. The equivalent of the shed mm-hmm. that a man used to have, you know, the shed project that they have in rural communities, which is this idea that men are more comfortable talking to other men in a shed. <laughs> so basically, we just <laughs> created our own tofop shed so we can have these conversations. It essentially is that, isn't it? Like it's, it's I mean, I, I haven't really, it hasn't really been decked out yet. I haven't got like the bar fridge or the neon Budweiser sign or anything like that in there. It's pretty, it's pretty bare. It's got James Fosdyke's artwork. And I don't know if, Will, this is some kind of, um, it's some kind of sign, but when I uh, hung the uh, Biggest Horse in all of Norway poster, the uh, the actual frame came off the wall. It, it, it smashed. It's okay. It's not like beyond repair. I will need to take it back to the framers. But the, the Biggest Horse in all of Norway could not be contained by the, the Tofop HQ wall. Well, here's what I will say about the Biggest Horse in all of Norway. It proves how big it was. Walls can't even confine it. It smashes through walls. That's how big this horse is. But much like the biggest horse in all of Norway, uh, it's had a stumble. We thought it was dead, but it will come back from the dead. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you follow us on um, Instagram, at Tofop on Instagram, you would have seen I posted a video of the uh, work in progress. It's been a four-month project to get Tofop HQ up and running. And it wasn't until I put together that little compilation of like time-lapse videos and photos and stuff that I was like, I put a lot of fucking work <laughs> into this one room in the house. Again, Will, like there's, there is things I could be doing with my life. There's probably like, yeah, I, 
maybe I could have like gone back to university. Maybe I could have been one of these bloody doctors that that we we value so much on the show that you have left the podcast to become a listener to the podcast you've gone and got a medical degree just so that you feel that you can be validated by the actual hosts of the podcast here's what i would say when i watched your time lapse video and it is well worth watching it really reminded me of just a very low budget version of grand designs like we've come to see this like <laughs> yeah there's always some you know charismatic idiot who's got some plan like for his house, you know, whether it's going to be his pool room or his infinity pool or whatever it is that he's going to come up with. And it becomes this obsession. I watched an episode of Grand Designs the other day. Well, I didn't actually. I watched Gogglebox watching an episode of Grand Designs the other day, but I got the gist of what's Same going thing. on. And there was this guy who would essentially, um, his plan was that in 18 months he was going to build his own house. Like he wasn't a qualified builder. Mm. He was a home handyman, but his big project was we have this bit of land. I am going to renovate and build this house myself. And their plan was they'd do it in 18 months. And the experts roll in. And you can tell them thinking, we're not even sure the TV show is still going to be on air when this dude finishes this project. <laughs> like the look on their face when he told them it was going to take 18 months was incredible. So anyway, they check back in in 18 months. Surprise, job is not done. It's barely, it's barely half done. done at this point. He's literally fucked up the first thing he tried to do. So he's done something where he's like put in, you know, put in like beams in cement to hold up walls and just hasn't taken something mm. into account that a professional builder would take into account. And now they're all the wrong level. So he has to just basically dig everything up and start again. He gets the entire job done, surprisingly, in two and a half years. So they check back in in two and a half years and he's actually managed to most... Hang on. So is the two and a half years in addition to the initial 18 months or is it another year after the 18 months? Another year after, which I think is actually okay. a miracle based on what we saw at 18 months. Like the fact that he has managed <laughs> to complete the rest of it in a year is what we actually should be admiring. But the thing about it that I loved, well, there was two things I loved about it the most. One was when the experts went to his house, despite the fact that it was a miracle that this guy who knew nothing about home renovation had built his own house, the first thing they did was just went in there and told him all the things that were wrong with it. Like, they're just going around going, these edges are pretty rough. This doesn't really fit. I'm like, it is a miracle that you are standing inside this house and the roof isn't falling and you're telling him his edging isn't completely right. And the second thing is that this guy looks 30 years older. <laughs> Like, yeah. he has spent two and a half years of his life and he's lost a good 30 years of his life. He's lost like 30 kilograms. He looks, he's gone from looking like the husband to the woman who's living in his house to the father of the woman who's looking in his house. It is absolutely decimated him. Well, we're also, uh, while, you know, I was chipping away at this little project, we've, we've been getting little renovations done here and there. And uh, at the moment, we're actually getting our back deck redone and getting some lawn put in. And so... We had a builder come around a couple of weeks ago and give us a quote on a bunch of things we want to do. And so we're just doing it installments as we can afford it, essentially. Um, uh, but the thing we wanted to get done first was the deck. <laughs> so it's hilarious. We've had builders here most days last week and, and today. And um, like Gemma keeps like offering me up. <laughs> Like, as, like, you know, just as this, like, uh, apprentice. And so, uh, like, without consulting me, I'll just be downstairs and I'll hear her talking to them and say, oh, yeah, and my husband can come up and give you a hand. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Do I get a say in this? Like, you know, where's where's my milkshake video? I, I want to, like, talk about consent. I haven't actually said yes to anything here. And so uh, last Wednesday, I said, okay, look, I'll come I, I up. Think, I think for the record, stone. you said yes to marrying Gemma and 
this all falls under the <laughs> general yes you signed up to on that day. You know when they say richer and poorer, you know, <laughs> building your own shit, having to be yeah, an yeah. apprentice for a tradie. It's all in the fine print. So I go up uh, last week and there's a bunch of paving stones, like big, heavy concrete paving stones that need to be moved. And Because the guy said to me, um, are you good with tools? And I said, absolutely not. And they said, okay, well, you know, are you okay carrying these like heavy stones from here to the carport? Technically, is- what you should have said was, mate, I'm great with tools. Worked with one for 11 years. 335 episodes can't be wrong. <laughs> So I said to him, yes, like manual labor, like I can do that. Look at my stubby Irish hands, my short squat thighs. Like I can lift and carry things. That's probably my specialty. If the problem with this deck is there's too many buried potatoes, I'm your man. (laughs) (laughs) And as we've like established on this show, like I have, I feel a little intimidated whenever I talk to kind of tradies or men who work with their hands because I'm always like, are they going to stiff me out as being a little fancy boy? Like, am I going to be exposed and humiliated for being a little fancy boy? But these dudes, they seem to like, you know, welcome me to the fold straight away. I didn't, I didn't get any sense of like, you know, looking down their noses at me or anything like that. But then, Will, <laughs> I made a fatal error where, so, you know, we'd started working and stuff and then it got to this next bit where I had to move these paving stones. And I said to the guys, oh, do you think I should wear gloves for this? And one of them, and with no agenda, said to me, oh, it depends. How soft are your hands? <laughs> <laughs> to which I showed my hands, my hands that have never done an honest day's work in my life. And the guy's gone, they look pretty soft. <laughs> the guy said, stop showing us your baby's hands and show us your hands. <laughs> so I dutifully uh, went off to the hardware store, got myself some gloves. But I actually, uh, I, I, I was actually okay at it. I mean, I think, here's the thing. When it comes to physical labor and stuff, I don't mind that. I'm, I, I like getting down and dirty, but I just have no vision. I don't understand how things connect to other things or what you need to cut to. Because at one point, um, we had to. There was a concrete step that we have going down to the to the back uh, the courtyard area, and uh, we wanted to remove that concrete step. And so the builders initially thought, well, because what they do apparently with concrete steps is they put like a steel frame down and they'll concrete over it. So they tend to be, you know, sort of hollow on the inside or not like rock solid. As it turns out, the previous owners decided to take every bit of scrap metal and concrete they had left over from the build and pour it into these two fucking steps because could not like shift or break these things. Like we hit it with a sledgehammer a couple of times, but it was rock solid. So they've said to they me- They were just really um, dedicated to the fact that going, any natural disaster, we just want these steps to survive. We don't care about the rest of the house. <laughs> It's the black box of my house. It's these fucking concrete steps. All the secrets of the house are contained within those steps. It's funny you should say that because... uh, So I said to the guys, all right, um, you know, I'm your apprentice. What do you need? And they said, well, can you go to Kennard's and we need a a quick saw and we'll probably need a jackhammer. And uh, I said, okay. So I went off to Kennard's and I got the quick saw. The guy said, like, you know, uh, what size do you need? We've got a 30, 40 or 60. I'm like, the biggest. Give me the biggest. And then he takes me outside for a quick demo on how to like use the quick saw. How do you, and the whole time is to, I'm just doing that Homer Simpson thing where there is like, you know, a monkey riding a bicycle around a tree in the middle of my head. I'm like, I am not going to remember any of this. This is not, this is not going to stay in my head. I just, I'm glad I got builders at home because this is not sticking in. So I get back to the house. I get back to the house. I've got the jack, jackhammer. I've got the quick saw. And the guy says, are you, are you okay to uh, get started on this? And I'm like, 
mate, you just identified me as old fucking Casper hands. <laughs> you think you want to give like a high powered quick saw that can cut through steel and concrete to me? Like I'm fuck, I'll take my leg off. You're going to be insane. So I did not bring enough pair of gloves for this. This is not a job for me. All I know how to do when I look at this piece of equipment, I see a bird drinking out of a little bit of water. <laughs> I can't remember anything that was told to me. So the thing is too, like once... So they, they said, okay, we'll, we'll take over. We'll, we'll get the quicksaw going. So I went back to my just carrying, you know, bricks from one part of the house to the other. That was my job, the simple one. But when I came it's back... It's a massive demotion. Yeah. I can't believe that they even thought that you were able to go from carrying bricks to operating the quicksaw. That is like even... That is a plot twist even Goodwill Hunting couldn't pull off. <laughs> like, like, I just... We've seen the way he carries bricks. I just think he'd be amazing at quicksawing. Well, I think the, the building supervisor, the, the guy whose company it is... Mm. Because Jem was like, okay, this is, our, this is our budget. So, you know, do you reckon you can do all of it? It'll fit within this amount. And the guy was like, well, yeah, you know, if your husband helps out, that'll probably cut down on hours. So I think maybe it was wishful thinking on the supervisor's part. He's like, well, if old softy hands here gets involved, then, you know, maybe we can cut down some hours. But here's the thing, man. When I hear the saw going, I pop my head back around to have a look to see what they're doing. It takes two of them to operate it. Like, because you've got to run cold water in through the back of the saw to keep the blade cool. It's like, so what was this whole talk about? Are you going to be okay with the saw? Is this like some kind of hazing ritual? Are they just going to like, you know, because apprentices like normally get hazed. They're just like, oh yeah, let's let's set this guy fire up the saw and cut off his little finger. Then we'll step in. And we'll say, no, nah, mate, it's a two-man job. Yeah, the steps probably aren't even solid. They've probably got some sort of rubber hammer that they've been hitting it with <laughs> and going, this is a great prank. We've just got to haze him. And then he'll be a serious member of the team. You got the black and white striped paint as well that they wanted, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we ended up like, you know, we got sm smashing through the concrete. And so we smashed it all down. And there's like w just weird bits of shit inside this thing. Like literally they had thrown every bit of scrap metal into these steps. Break it all down into rubble. And so now we're just um, clearing rubble into the wheelbarrow and taking it down to the carport. And, uh, and the guy gets to the very last shovel of, um, of rubble, puts it in. And then he looks at me and kind of wistfully says, oh, you know, you, can't, you always kind of hope you find some buried treasure or something when you do this, don't you? So this is something that I talked about on Fofop, but I don't think that we've spoken about it, which is the box of photos that we found in our house. Are, are, did I talk to you about this at all? Okay, so I talked to Justin about it on Fofop. So people can go and have a listen to the whole uh, episode vaguely. if they want to hear it. But I'll just give you the short version. Yeah. Which is in our house in Sydney, a house that we have like lived in okay. for 16 years or something like that, we were doing some yeah cleaning out of it. And we found this secret drawer in the house, like this secret little cupboard. And we inside this cupboard was this shoebox clearly of photos that had been photos and cards business cards those sort of things that had clearly been on some sort of pin-up board so the photos are cut out in different shapes you know they've clearly been in a montage on okay. a pin-up board the cards there are clearly this is where i'm keeping my dentist number this is where i'm keeping my physiotherapist number it's classic they've just taken everything down from a pin-up board uh, and put it in in a shoebox and so we start going through these photos and it turns out that they are of various like worldwide celebrities in the music industry so the person who uh, owned my house before me he was in the radio industry and he was you know attached to music for pretty much all of his life and it was clearly all the various different musicians and celebrities that they had met you know over their time hung out with got photos with these sort of things oh sorry you put up your finger as if you were gonna i don't say anything <laughs> 
Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> sorry you know what? interrupt your flow. You know what I love the most about that is? I brought some radio craft into our podcast and it fucked it up. I thought you were doing the professional thing you do in a radio studio where you want to interrupt yeah. and you put your one finger up and you go, I've got something here. So I pause because oh, Charlie's got something great. No, no, no. You were just fiddling with your fucking pen. I don't know why I expected no, no. that suddenly after 335 episodes, uh, uh, we were starting to do hand signals <laughs> to tell each other when we were going to talk. But can you, yeah. can you say like, who were some of the celebs that were in the photos? Okay. So uh, Phil Collins, uh, Bruce Springsteen, um, uh, a lot of 80s celebrities. But there was a few who were in our house. And so ZZ Top, you know, a whole bunch Holy of like, you know, shit. really recognizable names. I think like uh, Hall & Oates maybe or like, you know, definitely yeah, artists of that sort of era uh, and that sort of ilk. And, you know, a lot of Australian people in excess, like um, uh, Jimmy Barnes, you know, like that's that's your sort of vibe that you're looking at. So, um, but including some who were in our house. Mm. And the most famous of the ones that were in our house is there's just a great photo of Stevie Nicks in our kitchen. No and shit. I cannot stop. Like anytime I went into the kitchen, all I would think is, Fuck, at some stage, Stevie Nicks was just here in this kitchen. And I, I, I have a photo of Stevie Nicks in this kitchen. Stevie Nicks was in the kitchen. Her PA was probably blowing cocaine up her anus, as she's wont to do. <laughs> in my kitchen. It probably I happened mean, in that right house. That house has seen some fun over the years. Like, I thought that we were contributing. We've had a lot of good times in that house, yeah. you know, particularly when I first bought that house. We were all young. We used to have, like, a lot of parties there and, you know, have some... My, my 40th, which is one of, the, like, you know, the best parties that, you know, you were very much responsible for, you know, this big surprise party that I had for my 40th. It's nothing compared to the shit that's gone down in that house. Yeah. We're, like, the tame version of what has come afterwards. It's interesting because whenever I see that, particular trope in a movie it's generally in a horror film or something like that you know people move into a new home and they'll uncover a box i'm always like well how convenient is that all the backstory you need is right there they're just a photos of all the important key players you need to know but it actually happened when you literally not only did you have like all the key components but they were celebrities as well so you didn't even casting was taken care of uh, and you know what you'll enjoy about this too is that there's only two photos basically of the people who lived in the house and one is of her when she's a younger woman at the beach topless. So it's essentially, you know, his version of, you know, porn back in the day. He's me with Phil Collins and he's my wife's boobs. And then the other one is him chucking a brown eye. <laughs> like literally him mooning the camera. So it's all these celebrities and just two weird nudes. Are you sure it's him and it's not Stevie Nicks? Because uh, as we know... <laughs> It's Stevie Nicks doing a line. <laughs> These photos taken the same day. <laughs> so, yeah, but we, um, they live now where we live now. So they live, they've, they've also migrated up this way. So we've got a plan to, um, you know, get the photos to them and go and see them. But at the same time, I now have seen her topless, well, you know, 40 years ago. And <laughs> He's arsehole 40 years ago. So it's going to make it a bit of a different uh, interaction than previously. I was going to say, like, what do you... I mean, you hand them back with the boob and the uh, brown eye photo included. So the assumption is going to be from them, well, they've seen this. I don't think she would be... I mean, like, I don't know these people, but I doubt 
that is it. The, the boob photos is is not as nearly as <laughs> embarrassing as the brown eye photo, is it? Like you know, boobs are boobs, and people go well, topless all the time. I will say the bra- the brown eye photo is from a distance. It's that's not like a close up. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. It's like that Bette Midler song. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bette Midler is that what is that what from that's a distance she got the inspiration for is that, that song? What? That's actually hang on. Let's... I better look up the lyrics just to make sure that it wasn't written. I mean, you said 40 years ago, so let's just check this out from a distance. From a distance, I mean, lyrics. If we found out that the song From a Distance was inspired by a time that Bette Midler hung out with the previous owner of my house and took a photo of him uh, doing a brown eye from a distance <laughs> and just had, <laughs> had a moment of just going, that's it. i got a great idea for a song. Okay, so From a Distance, Bette Midler. From a distance, the world looks blue and green. Mm. Well, bad start. It could have at least looked a bit brown. <laughs> you would have thought if it was the same one. Yeah, but what? What? She, I think she's been more subtle, right? So, because okay. like as we know from art, if you and you've been doing some painting recently, if you mix together mm. your blue and your green, what are you going to end up with? Brown. Mm. Yeah, right. yeah, right. She's a good lyricist. Uh, okay, so from a distance, the world looks blue and green and the snow-capped mountains white. So maybe Stevie Nicks was there. She was over by the bench with the snow-capped exactly. mountains. <laughs> she was over skiing down the snow-capped mountains. From a distance, the ocean meets the stream and the eagle takes to flight. So maybe Don Henley was there, one of the eagles, do you reckon? I think one of the photos is of the eagles. There is a chance that Don Henley was there. Okay, so this is a party with Bette Midler. Don Henley, Stevie Nicks so far. I'm enjoying it. From a distance, there is harmony and it echoes through the land. It's the voice of hope. It's the voice of peace. It's the voice of every man. Well, you said he worked in radio, right? So who was the biggest DJ? Like, is there there someone who had like the voice, who was the voice of FM radio back then? Well, I mean, probably like a John Laws type character, right? So John Laws was there. But he was also, this man himself was also a radio announcer. He did a lot of voiceovers. That's why I used to have that soundproof room out the back of my house. Like he used to record a lot of his voiceovers there. So she may even be speaking about him. He might be this every man because he's also exposing what is at the heart of every man. He's at the heart of every man is an arsehole. A prominent yeah. <laughs> so many layers to this song. I just dismissed it as some yeah. saccharine kind of ballad when I first heard it. From a distance, uh, we all have enough and no one is in need. There are no guns, no bombs, no disease, no hungry mouths to feed. Well, I imagine the kind yeah. of parties they were having back then, no one would have had much of an appetite. So that would explain why there's no hungry mouths to feed. Yeah, well catered, but she said everyone's got enough. Like, you know, there's enough here that we're all having a good time. Uh, From a distance, we are instruments marching in a common band, playing songs of hope, playing songs of peace. They are the songs of every man. And then she flips into paranoia. God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. Well, that's where the coax kicked in. Like, I mean, this is classic, you know, like paranoid delusion. Oh, could it be 30 years ago? Gary Ablett Sr. was there. And she's oh, yeah. like, oh my God, he's over in the corner. Big, Gary liked a party back in the day. Big AFL fan, Bette Midler. <laughs> she was like, God, he's watching us. Uh, from a distance, you look like my friend, even though we are at war. From a distance, I can't compre- comprehend what all this fighting's for. From a distance, there is harmony and it echoes to the land. It's the hope of hopes. It's the love of loves. It's in the heart of every 
man. It's the hope of hopes. It's the love of love. It's a song for every man. And then she just repeats, God is watching this for the next six lines. So yeah, I think you're right. I think she just gets a bit of coke paranoia and Gary Ablett bloody won't stop staring at her from the corner. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, it's Gary Ablett staring at somebody who's, you know, doing too many drugs is something that would later become a problem in his, that's too dark. <laughs> I've gone to a really dark place and I apologise. And meanwhile, the host of the party is just flashing a brown eye from across the room. Maybe... <laughs> That's what she thought was God, God watching her, was his brown eye, his one eye right. watching her. What I like about that... Yeah, the, uh, the om, omnipotent asshole. Yeah. The all-seeing asshole. <laughs> the asshole of Sauron. <laughs> what I like about this little keepsake, this box of keepsakes you've found too, is that there must have been a process of them, like you say, taking down the pinboard and putting it in this shoebox as keepsakes. And... There must be a memory associated with that brown eye that was just too cherished to be like, you know what, maybe I don't want to keep this one. Yeah, it was funny at the time. Like it must be one of his all-time best memories. Why else would you keep it? Okay, so what you've said is if you hand back the box and they immediately know that you've seen her boobs in his asshole. Mm. So are you sure it's his asshole, by the way? Like could it have been another celebrity from 40 years ago? Like, I don't know, was it... Dudley Moore's asshole. <laughs> I don't know why Dudley Moore came to mind. It's just the first person. I, it popped in my head. Before we hand this box back to you, one question. <laughs> Do you know Dudley Moore? If I, say, if I say the name Arthur, do you have any immediate reaction to that? Arthur or Arthur? Yeah, Arthur. <laughs> That's what we called him. Uh, okay. So... Not a hundred percent sure it's his arsehole. Right. So you're are you suggesting that I should get him to bend over and say like compare it to the photo just so I can confirm that it is his arsehole? I don't know, forty years later you'd be able to verify. It's not like a like a tree stump where you can count the rings to sort of see if it's the same thing. <laughs> it's like you seem to have four arseholes now. You must be real old. Uh I well I so, so, but, but if they don't remember that the photos are in there, right. okay, so if they don't remember the photos are in there, because we could run that risk that they don't remember that there is a photo of her boobs and a photo of his asshole, and I could just remove them and remove any awkwardness that might come from that interaction. But the risk that comes with that is that they do know that those photos are in there, and then they know that the only two photos we've chosen to keep after looking through them are the photos of her boobs in his ass. Yeah, but but you're in the perfect position. You have all the leverage because for them to uh, because for them to ask for the photos back or accuse you, they are running the risk of being wrong. And if they're wrong, it's the most bizarre interaction on earth. Like if someone just called you up out of the blue and said, "Hey, you've got photos of my wife's boobs and my asshole. We want them back now," and you're wrong. <laughs> You know, so there has to be this kind of, like, you have all the leverage in this situation. I mean, in fact, I would encourage you to not give the photos back so it's got some content for future episodes. See what happens. Well, here's what I would ask you, because the theory you're putting forward is almost, okay, so, because they are, everything else is celebrities. Mm -hmm. So the stakes of this pinup board is pretty high stakes. And then there's just these two random bits of nudity in the middle of it. Are the random bits of nudity the exception or are all the celebrity photos there to throw us off the scent? Is what they really care about getting back after 16 years, those two photos, 
rather than all the celebrity photos. Because clearly you can get a photo of, you know, Phil Collins in a magazine. Whereas like a photo of your asshole from 40 years ago when it was in still great neck. shape. Like that's it's just great memories, you know. You're getting older, having a harder time going to the toilet. You just want to look back on a day where celebrate the fact that you know at some stage in your life you know you didn't have an old decrepit hemorrhoid filled asshole you had a young you know taut prime <laughs> example of an asshole well you make a good point because you say like the majority of the photos they have are all celebrity photos so it's almost like ho-hum a dime a dozen like you know there's bloody stevie mm. nicks there's zz top but you're right, they don't have, well, I mean, maybe they do. Maybe that's what you discover is they actually have like a trove of asshole photos. He, he took one like those uh, photographic experiments. He took a photo of his asshole every day for three years. <laughs> it's just a montage. Okay, so we're fine with the fact that there's one asshole amongst a bunch of celebrities. Mm. But yes, what if your scenario was right and we'd found this box and it was full of old photos. There was like 200 old photos. Then and they were all of this guy's asshole. What would we do in that situation? Um, oh, that's a good question. I don't know, because because that, that then you're moving into some weird kind of and not the kink shame, but that that sounds like a fetish thing, right? Like someone taking a photograph of their asshole for like you know three years running every day for three years. So it feels a bit more intimate. Feels like too long for medical reasons. It could be an art project. It could be like a 100%. you know you could imagine almost possibly being some sort of art project. But the, but I think the point being, it's suddenly like even if it is an art project, people sort of you know you know create from the heart, and there's there's a feeling of intimacy with that. It's not just like a, a random funny snap the night so and so got wasted and, and you know mooned everyone. Yeah. You are going deep. <laughs> You're literally going deep into this person's psyche (laughs) from the anus first. So I think it just becomes... Right. Well, some people lead with their heart and some people lead with their arsehole. Maybe the way to a man's heart is through his arsehole. Maybe that was the whole statement. Yeah, maybe. But I just think that I would... I mean, you've spoken before on this podcast about how you have a tremendous ability to disconnect from situations or information that you you feel doesn't concern you or will only complicate your life further down the track. Having like a, you know, a chest full of um, Polaroids of someone's asshole, that is only going to tie you unnecessarily to this person because they're either going to feel the need to explain themselves or there's going to be this awkward tension when you hand the box back. Like if I was you and that was your discovery, then I would just, I would leave it. You know, maybe uh, leave it for the next people. If you ever sell the house, the next people to move in, let it be their discovery. Although, <laughs> leave it and it. run the risk they think it's my asshole. No, thank you. <laughs> they sell it to like Who magazine or something like that. That is the that's the equivalent of like when you go into a toilet. Like I hate this on a plane when you go into a toilet and the person before you has made the toilet smell bad, and you're like. I'm going to get blamed for this when I go out of the toilet, but this was a pre-existing smell already in the toilet. No, I'm not leaving. You'd have to destroy them if you were going to sell the house again. You couldn't just go, they've lived in the house for 16 years. I'm going to pass them on to the next owner. It can be their issue. Would you have to destroy them? Couldn't you just like, you know, like uh, Justice League? What What do do I do with them if I don't? Okay, so here are my Mother box it. As I said. Just dig a, 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 four, a three three foot hole and just bury it. Just bury it. Don't destroy it because there oh. may come a time when, yeah. 
the owner needs them back. You know, maybe it's his daughter's wedding. You know, this is a family keepsake. He wants to keep in the family. <laughs> his daughter's wedding. Yeah, it's a family tradition. We, uh, for centuries, our family, since the invention of the photograph, even before the photograph, we used to get oil portraits of our anuses done. <laughs> and so, you know, like it's some, look, you, you, who are you to judge? It's the family tradition. So I would feel like I can't destroy it because this is obviously a thing, whether it's an art project or a personal fetish or a family tradition, it's not my place to erase this from existence. So I would, I understand the nervousness about, I don't want people finding it and think it's mine. So you just need to hide it better. Where was, where, like you said it was a hidden drawer. How hard was it to access this shoebox? How come you haven't discovered it in the 10, 15 years you've been at your place? Well, I think you're answering your own questions. It's quite hidden. It's under a step. It looks like it, it, it shouldn't be a little cupboard. It's just like a, you know, much, yeah, they've just made use of where the step is. And they've put in sort of a hollow step, Charlie. I don't know if you've ever heard of such a thing, but they haven't filled in the entire step. And uh, in under that step, they put a cupboard. And that's where the shoebox was, in that cupboard. But here's what I would say. I think you've only got two choices. One is to return them to the original owner because I think that it's not a mystery that I could live with. I think if I put that box of assholes back in that cupboard, <laughs> I now know the box of assholes is there, you know? It's it's constantly gonna be on my mind. Yeah, it's the it's the, it's the tell the tell tale assholes. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like yeah. you're just gonna hear them. It is. You're just gonna hear them. Whatever noise they make. <laughs> just a... well, you know what noise they make. <laughs> it's not an art project. It is a fart project. I'm just gonna hear instead of a creak from the bedroom. I'm just gonna hear this little, <laughs> just like it's the fucking box of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't so you've either got to give them back because there's a part of me that just once I know about them I need to know the story yeah. <laughs> I need to go and find out what this story is yes I'm good at compartmentalizing but I don't think in this instance that I could compartmentalize that thought I would need to know the explanation or I would need to my way of compartmentalizing would be I need to destroy this I need to be happy with the idea that I can never find out and I'm going to burn this okay. box of assholes because I'm not keeping a box of assholes around the house where somebody can stumble into my. It, it's like, I mean, what if I die? Like, I could die. I'm old enough to die. <laughs> like, you know, and it wouldn't. <laughs> do you mean just in general? Like, people my age just die. And yeah. so I die, and people find this like box of assholes that I, there's no rational explanation for. Then. And even just the conversation around why did he hang on to the box of assholes? Why didn't he destroy them or give them back to the original owner? Well, what, so what happens though? That, okay, so you destroy it and then the previous owner turns up and he's like, uh, oh, look, you know, my daughter's getting married <laughs> next week. Um, do you mind <laughs> if funny. I go into the bedroom? Um, I left uh, something. There's a, there's a hollow step there. I just need to retrieve oh. something. Yeah. Would you just play dumb? Just let him go in there? And, you know, dig around and open the, the drawer and, and scratch his head and be like, hang on, I could have sworn there was like a, you know, a shoebox filled with 200 photographs here. Or would you come clean at that point? I would say, what is it that you're looking for? Because we have looked, like, I mean, we've been living here for 16 years. We've looked in every room in the house. Yeah, we knew there was a cupboard under the step. I remember, you know, looking in there, there wasn't anything in there. I'm not actually sure. Yeah, are you sure it's not 
somewhere else. And by the way, what is it? And if it were to be a box full of assholes, what would be the explanation behind that? <laughs> I mean, good luck to your daughter. Hope she has a wonderful wedding, but I just need to know. I could just see him like at the wedding, like he's unsuccessful. He's, you know, he's gone to a mission to your place, hasn't found the box and he has to give the speech, you know, at his daughter's wedding and he starts crying because he's like, you know, I dreamt about this day for years and I just wanted to pass on the tradition that my parents had passed on to me, but I'm sorry. I've let the, I've brought shame upon the family. But could he not just do a new series of assholes? Oh, like specifically for the... Like cram, like just cram it to suddenly just whip out. I mean, you're right, because when he started the project, it was back in the days of Polaroid and getting film developed. But now right. with like your iPhone, he could fire off a hundred shots of his asshole, even probably <laughs> whack him through a Photoshop program so they, you know, get more decrepit. with age. <laughs> It's one of those those aging yes, filters, the ones that you know reads your information and sends it to Benjamin Buttony's button. <laughs> His balloon knot, Benjamin balloon knot. Three hundred and thirty-five oh, episodes has brought us to this point. Um, well, let's get to some mail, Will, uh, because uh, as discussed over the last couple of weeks, I've, I've been struggling to find out. What's going on? Why we're getting no correspondence to our regular mail? And then I realized that um, I guess there's in, in Gmail, there's an inbuilt filter where, uh, you know, if something is considered to be spam or promotional material, I'll just chuck it in a promotional video uh, file. So for some reason, messages that have been sent to us from our website have been put into this promotional category. Um, but I've found them. So there is correspondence going back a, a couple of weeks, but we're pretty up to date and um, also happy to say that we are up to March on our Patreon correspondence, March of this year. Um, and there'll be a bonus episode uh, going up this week. So uh, as you listen to this, maybe check out Patreon if you're a Patreon subscriber and there will be a, a bonus episode up this week. But um, for now, this is from Joslyn who says, a oh, hi, TOEFOP team. Two things came to mind when listening to episode 333 this afternoon. Uh, this is when we had the discussion about wearing our own merch. Number one, I think it's totally acceptable to wear your own tees in public. You'll notice most business owners, okay, anyone who works for a brewery is always repping their own brand. Working in the beer industry, we also tend to wear our work shirts when we're not working for promotional reasons. So rock those tees, hoodies, and caps. Thoughts? Well, I would say he's raised an interesting issue here because almost any business that has a uniform of any sort does it in a promotional way, right? It has yep. the logo of the uniform on it. So essentially, we're just wearing our podcasting uniforms out in public. So people just know when they see us in the street that there's a podcasting professional nearby. Well, it's funny. I've, what I've worked out about the Tofop merch I own, and there's a lot of, uh, available if you go to redbubble.com forward slash uh, Mr. Foz. New stuff. Uh, brand new stuff. Bunch of new stuff up there at the moment. Um, but I have two classes of Tofop, which is there's stuff that I can wear outside because it just looks like a cool shirt, like the um, Until We Die, which is the two skeletons uh, embracing with the uh, headphones on that just looks like a cool you know like you know it could be like a, a skater t-shirt or a rock and roll band or something like that but then um i was wearing the tofop uh, all drugs illegal which is the uh the fear and loathing um uh, homage and that was that's brought up too many questions because there's people who recognize the artwork from fear and loathing who come up and take a close look and then want to know what tofop is and then they say my name and if they know who i am then it gets all weird so you can for me if it the more obscure 
the design or the reference, like, you know, the, the, the less obvious it is, the better to wear out in public. Okay, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, you just need a little, we, well, basically we need a little logo too, just on the top pocket. Oh, yeah, like polo. you work at like Harvey Norman or something like that. You know, just a little polo that just says Tofop. Uh, Jocelyn continues. Number two, is there anywhere that some true fan, because I'm guessing that you don't keep track, has documented all the TV shows and movies that you've talked about on the show? Not just to mention, but those that you have spent time discussing. You often talk about great shows and movies that you've recently watched, like a few episodes ago, listing some iconic Aussie films many of which I've never heard of. The problem is that I'm usually driving when listening to the pod, so I have no way of taking notes of these titles when they are mentioned. If this compilation uh, doesn't exist, I reckon it should. I'm not putting my hand up for the job. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it's not really helpful. But if it magically does exist somewhere, can you please print me and other interested listeners, or point me and other interested listeners in the right direction? Thanks for the hours of entertainment, Jaws. Um, I don't think there is anything like that that exists. We attempted to... Um, what would you call it, like spreadsheet the first 180 episodes. We paid an intern to come in and time code everything and stuff, but it's it's such a mammoth job. Um, unless there's like a, I don't know, is there a, is there a TOEFOP Reddit where people discuss episodes? And, and that's probably your other best bet. If anybody is listening to this episode and enjoying it so much, this is the first episode you've ever listened to, but you're like, fuck, this was good. Like, you know, I wonder if there's like 334 more episodes of them talking about boxes full of assholes. Uh, maybe you can be the person. This can be your mission. Start with this episode, work backwards, and just write down the TV shows and stuff that we you'll be doing a public service. Okay, sure, you're listening to a podcast for the very first time, and I've already given you a job, but welcome to TOEFOP. Cool things for cool people. Can I, I say this just before you go on? Uh, new show recommendation and I wanted to mention it because it was one that was suggested by listeners a lot that it was a show that I would really enjoy uh, and I have finally got an opportunity to watch it and everybody who suggested that it was a show that I would enjoy was 100% correct which is of course uh, the show Devs if you like time travel if you like sciencey fictiony shows it's only eight episodes it's a self-contained story and it's fucking rad nick offerman is so good in it but all the actors in it are fantastic um alex garland yeah wrote and oh. directed it all and it's oh. yeah it's it's you'd you'd fucking dig the shit out of it like it's so good because it's you know it's all about you know i mean without giving too much away like this is mostly first episode stuff i won't give you know any intricacies of the plot away but there's this like futuristic tech company who's working on a secret project and it has to do with, yeah, predicting time or time travel or something mysterious like that. And the project is called Devs. And Nick Offerman plays the, uh, you know, the kind of tech billionaire who had a daughter die in circumstances that will be revealed through the series. But there's a giant statue of her. It's creepy as fuck. Like this entire sort of, you know, like, google complex or whatever you know it's meant to be it's set underneath this giant statue of his dead daughter and clearly whatever it is that he's working on is like you know and anyway i won't give anything else away but the themes around time travel and what's possible and like ai and simulations and yeah mm. it's just mm. it's a super cool show absolutely fucking loved it yeah no that sounds like i would enjoy that very much i will check it out uh some uh, a topic that uh some people have messaged in the last seven days about that we should probably touch on is the announcement that uh 
uh, Furiosa is going before cameras this year. Uh, the new, what would you call it, Mad Max prequel? A Mad Max, just the next film in the Mad Maxiverse. Not featuring, featuring Max from what I understand, but Anna Taylor-Joy from The Queen's Gambit will be playing Furiosa. Chris Hemsworth will be playing something. Uh, I don't know, not Max from what I understand, but probably like a, a bad guy of some sort. But I was really surprised. I heard that uh, George Miller's directing this and it's like, you're 76, mate. Like you're nominated for an Oscar for the last one. Just chill, kick back. Don't worry about it. But no, he's prepared to just like don the leather jacket again and go back out into the desert and smash some more cars for the next four years. I could not be happier about that. I think it's great that he's in charge. I reckon he's got one final. Like there, I, I could see the temptation to go, the last one was a masterpiece. Why would you go out there again at your age? You know, you can be the producer, you know, behind it all, but get somebody else to direct it. Nah, I reckon it's great because I think, why are you doing it at that age other than you still have something else to say? He has no reason to do it other than there's still something left in his imagination. And if the last movie is an example of how developed his imagination has become in his life, I think that, because like Fury Road was such a peak in his creativity, yes, there's a big chance that this one's not going to be as good. But what if he's got even a better one in him? Like, I mean, mm. I would have been happy with, you know, Batman Begins as a superhero film. I was like, fuck, I've never seen anything like this before. Christopher Nolan's absolutely nailed this. But then, like, he, you know, made Dark Knight. He got the hang of it and he went, oh, now I know what I can really do with this. What if there's a chance that, he, yeah, George Miller's still there? He might not be, he, you know, it, it, it might, but fuck, I want to, I'm so glad. I'm just glad for him. Like if yeah. he wants to do that, if he wants to go off and have an adventure and direct a final film, like he's given us so much. He can do whatever the fuck he wants, but I feel more confident that he's in charge than I would without him in charge. Well, I think this film, or at least the idea of this film, came out of the same developmental process that, Bore Fury Road. I think they had such a surplus of material and they developed such uh, intricate backstories for all the characters that this is just, you know, maybe it was at an early draft it was going to be in Fury Road, but they've just made it its own film. So I, I, I just am a little like, I don't know, I just love Fury Road so much. I'm a little hesitant to sort of go because the other thing is, you know, Charlize Theron is such, she's so amazing in that role and I'm not, it was different handing over Max to, to Tom Hardy because Max had had three, uh, Mel had had three goes at it. I felt like, okay, maybe it's time for some fresh blood. But we only got one Charlize Furiosa and now we're already handing, you know, the, the character over to someone else. And I don't really know anything about this Anna Taylor-Joy. She might be amazing. But I do, I have reservations, but it has nothing to do with the, the creative team. It's just more my my love of Fury Road means it's my expectations are, are sky high. She's incredible in The Queen's Gambit. Like it's a... I mean, the entire, have you what not seen it? No. Like, so the the entire thing is on her back. Like the thing works or doesn't work entirely because of like her performance. So does she have the chops to do it? I reckon she probably does. It'll be a bit different to the way Charlize did it. But I think that, you know, she has the chops to do it. And the other thing I would say is I hope that Chris Hemsworth is playing a young Immortan Joe. No. That's what I would like. I would like to think <laughs> that he used to look like Chris Hemsworth because <laughs> that would make Fury Road even better. That's true. Uh, this is from Dan. Uh, subject is trying to explain Tofop. 
to Colin Fop. G'day boys. I thought I'd share an interesting conversation I had with my wife the other day. While I was quietly watching the footy, I hear a very pointed and very suspicious question thrown my way from the other room. What is a Patreon TOFOP? And she mispronounced Patreon. Why and why are we making <laughs> monthly payments? She was obviously having a quick look at our <laughs> recent bank statement. Now, my simple response is, it's just a subscription service was clearly not enough. I should have known better. The next 10 to 15 minutes were spent trying to explain or justify what the TOFOP universe was and why the same guys have a footy podcast and what a guest Charlie was. She did like the quick summary of the Bin trilogy and she really enjoyed Fosdyke's artwork. The end result is I'll keep contributing my minimal subscription because I love you guys and the work you do. I might even be able to get a TOFOP t-shirt uh, by the security expert I've married. So keep up the good chat. Uh, my address is below should you feel the need to get rid of some stickers or to an international subscriber. Well, it's only New Zealand. That doesn't count as international, does it? We can send some stickers to New Zealand. Yeah, let's do that. Let's absolutely do that. Um, although I've got to let you know, Dan, They're not stickers. I don't know when... You last listened, but we don't have any stickers left. They're fridge magnets now, but yeah, we'll send some mm. we'll send some fridge magnets your way. Uh, this is from Tim. Uh, the subject is I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> well, you've come to the right podcast. Uh, okay, so I've never done this before: contacting a podcast, a celebrity, or someone I follow. But I have randomly found myself here writing this message. I often find myself in random spots of thoughts of just weirdness. So it was one of these spots when I came to think of what Will, that Will could pass or, that Will could pass as Adam Levine, Levine from Maroon Five, and then I started to think about what kind of music Will would make if he is a pop star. So Will, if you were in a different universe, a pop star, what kind of genre do you think it'd be? R and B? Do you think you'd be sort of more pop rock? What do you what do you think you'd be? I mean, so hip hop's out. Are we saying like no, could it could I be, be any genre. like hip? You're, but you're a pop star. You're not like it. You're not a cool like you know credible. You're, you're more of a marketer's dr wet dream pop star boy band. You could be like a Harry Styles. Okay. All right, okay, yeah. You've come from a boy band. That's what I'm. I'm just going to give you backstory. You're in a boy band, hugely successful, but you're the breakout star. What genre do you go into? Yeah. Okay. Um, I would say like I'm probably like Robbie Williams style anthem pop. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I could, I could see like you know a bit of like you know full blown let me entertain you style like over the top theatrics. I think that would be the most fun style. Yeah. Like, I just think I'm thinking if I'm gonna have to do it, like what would be the most fun to do? And I've been to a Robbie Williams con concert and it just looked like he was having a lot of fun. Yeah, I could see that. And you got the right hair for a Robbie Williams pop star. <laughs> uh, moving on a bit. <laughs> When I was diving into the Marvel rabbit holes, I was reading about the potential reboot of Wolverine and the other X-Men when the imagery of Charlie donning the claws and becoming the next Wolverine in the MCU came to mind. Uh, so Will would Will so could Will make it as a stiff, smooth singing pop star and could Charlie pull out the rage rugged Canadian? Uh, so like I said, I've no idea what I'm doing. So I don't even know how this will get to you. Anyway, cheers. <laughs> don't doubt yourself, Tim. Um, <clears throat> oh yeah, no, I don't know. I no, I suppose if you Jackman, if I was going to say I don't think I'm quite rugged or masculine enough to be uh, Wolverine, but then I forget that the boy from Oz was Wolverine. So, you know, these these soft hands will these soft hands might just pop some titanium claws one day. I just don't know. I mean, I'm very like you know proud of the way that you 
have, you know, mastered your fitness. And I think it's a really good thing. But if you suddenly had to become Wolverine, like you had to become jacked like Hugh Jackman, mm. like, and yet like you were on one of those diets, we had to get up like every three hours to eat more food and you were just basically working out nonstop. Like if, if I came on every week and it was, you know, I, I was looking at someone who resembled more Joe Rogan than the current Charlie, the Charlie that I used to know. I think there would be a point where I'd just be intimidated out of the podcast. <laughs> Worried you out of it. Uh, Will, this is from James. He says, hey, boys, uh, I listened to Will's shakedown story with interest as the near identical situation happened to me in Buenos Aires many years ago. I was, the, I was even given the, well, you owe her for a timeline. Charlie's advice to just offer half or less was the route I took, but I was sadly asked to show my wallet, <laughs> which was full of recently converted spending money, about $300 worth. They took it all and they said, if I came back with the other half, I could go upstairs for the full experience and I, had to, and I could bring some friends. They shouted at me as I sulked into the night, but I did not return. Love the pod, James. So, okay, maybe my idea... <laughs> I didn't really think it through too much that uh, you uh, open your wallet, they can easily see over your shoulder to see how much you, you've got in there. You know what I love the most about that pitch, though? Like the, the extra bit of what's been offered there, which is if you come back with the other half of the money, um, you know, we'll let you actually, you know, go complete upstairs and complete the experience. Is you've just been shaken down by some like mobsters <laughs> in a dodgy situation. What are the amount of people who go, oh, you know what, I'll just go and get some more money and I'll come back because we're cool now, right? Yeah. <laughs> like if you go back, you deserve what you get. If you want to send us a message like these people are doing, you can go to tofop.com. There's a drop-down menu at the bottom of the splash page. And while you're there, you can check out some of our other great podcasts. As I mentioned, uh, James Clement, a.k.a. Mr. Sunday Movies, is my guest on Fofop this week. That's a great chat. I really enjoyed it. The time flew by. Uh, Will, who's in philosophy this week? Julia Morris, uh, one of Australia's most legendary comedians, Julia Morris on philosophy uh, this week. And, uh, of course, Two Guys, One Cup, our AFL-adjacent podcast. Uh, we're six rounds into the AFL season and uh, we're, we're having a good time doing the show. Like football, well, you are. You know. <laughs> You're having a good time. I'm fucking hating it. Actually, I'm not even because I'm, I'm trying not to bring up our success in front of your face. Hmm. Like, we barely even talked about the Bulldogs last episode. Yeah. And we can barely talk about them again this episode. It's fine. You know, you know what? Like, if, you know, like, if one of your friends is down on your luck and you're, like, you know, riding high, you don't want to rub it in their face. Well, it just, what bugs me is that we literally started that show to talk about our historically unsuccessful football clubs. And that was meant to be the hook. That was the gimmick. And then not only have the Bulldogs snagged one in the first year of the show, but you're probably going to snag another one, you know, in, while we're continuing to do it. And my team has not done anything. And it, that doesn't seem fair. Like, I know that, you know, it wasn't the deal that we do the show until both our teams win a flag, but I feel like that should be the deal. So even if it takes us another 20 years, you have to keep doing the show with me until I get to see a flag. Well, that's good, because I'll enjoy seeing the four or five Bulldogs premierships <laughs> I'll see in that time. It'll be good. No, I mean, come on. Like, I've seen one in my entire lifetime. Let's not get greedy. Uh, go to tofop.com to check all that out. We've got a couple more messages here. Well, this is from Andrew. Uh, hey, Tofop, getting taken. Hey, boys, me and five friends got held up at a gas station when we were 13 years old on our way to watch a movie. We were all AV nerds. Example, one of my friends had his Metallica t-shirt tucked into his jean shorts. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that is just <laughs> some beautiful great, imagery. Some great. Um, I immediately know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> that is some beautiful writing. You could be a casting director. <laughs> a man approached us and asked if we could spare a few bucks because he'd run out of gas. And the fact that this uh, writer, this uh, correspondent says gas tells me he's American. We said no. The man said, hey, that's cool. Check out what I got last week. He then pulled out a huge gun and then put it away. So uh, I just need 30 or 40 bucks. Everyone but me started pulling out cash. I had a secret weapon. I was a nerd, but I was also a skater. Holes in every article of clothing. Damn proud of them. I I, and just looked disheveled and dirty. I told him I didn't have any money. My friends looked at me like I was a genius. Stay dirty. Kiss, kiss, Andrew. Well, there you go. If you don't want to get stood over, you don't want to get held up, dress like you are a derelict and everyone will leave you alone. Uh, our final bit of correspondence will comes from Alexandra. Alexandra. Uh, and she says, T. Colin Fop, hey guys, long time listener. In episode 324, Will discusses his top 10 favorite Aussie films. You talk about whether the castle makes comedic sense in other countries. Well, I can say as a New Zealander, it is a huge movie here. Yeah, I don't know, Will. Does it New Zealand count as an overseas, mm. another country? I would actually say that it's Probably our most Kiwi. New Zealand um, yeah. style movie. Like it has a bit of that understated humour that we like really identify as being a New Zealand type of humour. Yeah. Uh, Daryl is exactly like my granddad was. He was forever getting bargains out of useless crap. He had two spare bathtubs because you never know. <laughs> he built an internal furnace to heat his house out of an old oil drum. It's shocking he didn't kill us all with carbon monoxide. In terms of good Australian movies, have you seen the AFL-based movie The Merger, written and directed, uh, written and starring Damien Callanan? I came across it on Netflix. As someone who knows nothing about AFL, I found it wonderfully funny and a very uh, Australian movie. Thanks for the laughs. Um, yes, I have seen The Merger. In fact, uh, one of the stars of The Merger, Josh McConville, is on Two Guys, One Cup. I did a series called My Club where I sit down with celebrities and talk to them about their footy clubs. So Josh McConville, who's in The Merger, talks about the Gold Coast Suns. So go check that out. Have you seen The Merger? And also, yeah, I have. It's uh, fantastic. And also, if you want to uh, see the creator of the merger and the star of the merger, Damien Callanan, he is doing some live shows, Merger Live, touring around Australia a bit at the moment. So go and check out Damien's uh, website and find the details for that if you're in a place where you can go and see him. He's a brilliant live performer. And that movie was based on an original stage show that he did and the characters from that stage show that he was all doing himself originally and then it became this movie it's it's quite incredible to watch him you know obviously do all the various different characters when you see it see it live and uh damien has also been a guest on philosophy so if you've never listened to that episode uh we actually talk almost yeah it's it was when the merger was coming out so we have a huge conversation about it if you're interested Fantastic. And like we said, there'll be a bonus episode of Tofop going up on Patreon this week. Thank you again for all your support. But for now, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, and thank you for watching. (laughs) 